we flew by a UFO. We went to go look at it. It turns out it was Bart Simpson, a balloon. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. 5-11 on this Thursday morning, Wisconsin's Morning News. Brewers start at what time? What time is the first pitch tonight? So it was six this afternoon. Sorry. Oh, is it something funny? It's an F- yes. It's an 07 again. Okay. 1107? It's uh well I guess 1207 our time. Okay. Are they on Eastern over there? I know that bothers yeah, you. It's just the 07. It gets me. I'm hung up on this. Like 1210 first pitch, okay. You want to call it high noon? Fine. Well, twelve fifteen, something like that. See, the twelve ten is weird too. Just say noon. Okay, right. I mean, start the game when you want, but what's with that? That's, that's for the TVs, right? That yeah, I mean, they yeah. try to get get it right for the first pitch. Now, uh, as we were talking with Jeff Levering, a Brewers play-by-play man yesterday, it seems that American Family Field is dead on. If they say 10 after or 640 or whatever, that's when the first pitch mm-hmm. actually right. happens. You could also argue that, well, we say 607, but that's for a little bit of run-up, and the first pitch actually happens at 610, whatever. It's no big deal. It's just an oddity. That stands out to me. But there's something that relates to that in my life. My son has a friend who uh, occasionally will have, you know, he's got a big downstairs where kids like to hang out, whatever. And if he ever has people over, he sets these odd meet times. So if you're having people over at the house, you say what? If it's 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock, say 6.30. Yeah. Like, yes, people should be here at 6.45. People should be here at 7.15. That's weird. <laughs> like, yeah. And, I, and even my son picked up on it. He's like, what's with this start time? Like, what is with what is with my friend here? Like, and it, it's one thing if you're meeting for a movie or something like that. The movie starts at 7. Hey, let's meet at 6.45. Nothing. You could have people over. You can set anytime you want. People are coming to your house. 6.45. I it's like me. that. It's very specific. It is very for specific. For some random reason. But uh, the, the closing time always TBA. You know, what time is the party over? We'll see. Mm-hmm. It's 513. Brandon Snyder Sports coming up next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. After dropping game one, the Milwaukee Brewers bounced back on a Wednesday night to beat the Toronto Blue Jays. This one by a final of 4-2 to two in game two of three, thanks in large part to Wisconsin's very own Owen Miller. Line drive, left field, pulled into the corner, a fair ball. That's going to drive them both home. Over to get it is Varsho. Throw to second base, not in time. Owen ahead first dive. It's a two-run double. Josh Maurer with the call right here on WTNJ as Miller drove in two runs and the Brewers call on closer Devin Williams to secure the team's 29th win of the season. Julio Tehran got the start for the Brewers. He was magnificent, tossing six scoreless innings and allowing just four hits. The first-place Brewers will look to take the series later today. As Vinny just mentioned, that first pitch is all set for 12.07. Our coverage... 07, don't be late. Our coverage will begin right here on WTMJ at 11.35. Over to the NFL, where the Green Bay Packers continued block two of their organized team activities on Wednesday in Titletown. One of the players turning heads early is that second-round pick out of Oregon State, Luke Musgrave. He's a really, really intelligent player. I think every time he goes out there, if he, if he makes a mistake, he definitely he hasn't made many of the, the same mistakes twice. And he, he continues to 
show progress every day and certainly he's he does have an elite trait that he can flat fly and he's he's a big long target so we're we're really excited about him and the progress he's made up to this point and we've got to continue to push him despite the excitement Matt LaFleur and company know with know with a new quarterback in a younger roster there are still many challenges ahead for this team well I think we're, we're just very young at certain spots and so for you know, putting together specifically the offense has been a challenge in terms of, you know, just towing that line in terms of what is too much and what is enough to, we call it, you want to have enough ammo going into a game in order to keep people off balance and whatnot. The NBA Finals are set to begin in Denver as the Nuggets get set to host the Miami Heat for the best of seven series to crown a champion. It is the first Finals appearance for Denver in their 47-year history. And it is the second appearance for Miami in the last four years. Tip-off between the two teams is all set for tonight at 7.30. Coming up. What NASA is doing to investigate what we've traditionally called UFOs. That story next. At 521 on Wisconsin's Morning News. If you're of a certain age, there's no question you remember close encounters of the third kind. Remember the tones? Then you had Richard Dreyfus with the potatoes, all of that stuff going on. He was losing his mind. He built the mountain. He built the whole model in his house. And you're wondering what this is about. And then he's got the interrogation with those guys. Have you recently had a close encounter? close encounter with something very unusual. Who are you people? What did you expect to find? An answer. An answer. Who are you people? Devil's Tower there, which I think is in Wyoming. It's an actual place, right? The kid getting sucked out the doggy door by the aliens with bright light. All of that. Well, the U.S. government and various entities have long and are still studying what we've always called UFOs. They're now calling UAPs, Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena. During its first public meeting Wednesday, a panel of scientists and experts revealed it has reviewed some 800 cases of reported UAPs, with more coming in all the time. ABC's Rhiannon Ally. Former astronaut Scott Kelly, who spent nearly a year in space, giving this account of his experience with the UAP while flying an F-14. The guy that sits in the back of the Tomcat was convinced we flew by a UFO. We went to go look at it. It turns out it was Bart Simpson. A balloon. <laughs> the panel says 2 to 5% of incidents cannot be explained, so they're pushing for the government to collect better data. A Pentagon official says they are now building new sensors to better detect and investigate UAPs. Okay, so just a big laugh fest. Nothing to see here. No aliens, no spacecraft, no flying saucers. That's not what I was looking for from that. Just a bunch of Simpsons balloons. Nothing to see here. All right, that actually was not the tenor of the discussion, but the, the point made, look, most of this stuff is, in fact, easily explained and actually not very interesting. With a single digit in percentages of reported UAPs that right now cannot be explained. Dr. Nadia Drake is part of this panel. To date, in the refereed scientific literature, there is no conclusive evidence suggesting an extraterrestrial origin for UAP. So she's not ruling it out. That's one of the reasons you have this panel. Absence of evidence does not prove the negative. So they're, they're still looking, 
still investigating. Dr. Drake again here. It is our job as a panel to make some recommendations about how NASA might go about tackling this topic scientifically, taking advantage of the agency's resources, global outreach, and reputation. So certainly they do expect to continue investigating. And what do they expect to find? Probably more of the same. Most of these things easily explained. But there could be some surprises. David Spurgle is an astrophysicist. He's on the panel. So they don't know what they don't know. We have learned a lot about our planet and how the universe works. There's a lot we don't know. Right? I think, yeah, you know, as, as scientists, what is the most exciting thing is the surprises. It's a complex question. You know, you think about, is, is there life out there somewhere? And what is that? Because when we talk about life on other planets or life in other solar systems, life in other galaxies, you know, we often think of the aliens, right? Okay, that's intelligent life. Is there some form of life, some amoebas, some little something out there? You have to think. The astronomical numbers would suggest yes. But we haven't yet found that. So then there's, you know, whether or not we're actually being visited by aliens. One thing I love about this conversation is many folks have always said, look, if the aliens have found us, (laughs) it's already too late (laughs) because they're not here to make friends. I mean, that's a little bit of Hollywood in that. But if they had already found us, we would know. It wouldn't be a question. They're not just doing flybys and taking some measurements. So what we know and what we don't know is still an open question this morning as far as NASA is concerned. At 541 on Wisconsin's Morning News, I actually caught some of the Scripps National Spelling Bee on TV last night. One of my kids was walking through, my teenage kids, and I said, hey, sit down, watch this. You know, it's the National Spelling Bee. And my daughter said to me, this is making me too nervous. I've got anxiety over this. I can't watch. Not interested. So out she went, Deb. Oh, geez. Okay. Well. I don't blame her. It was nerve-wracking. Yeah. There's a whole process they work through. They float the word out, and then they ask for... You know, uh, the words origin, can you give us the definition, go back to the origin, do this, they, you know, they buy time, they buy time, they buy time, and eventually the clock ticks down to about 30 seconds, and then they get to spelling the word. And if they don't spell it correctly, they get the bell. Bing! Jeez. So we had a Madison 7th grader who's been in the competition. His name is Aiden. He's got a difficult-to-pronounce last name, so I'm just going to take a pass. Okay, So okay. Aiden from Madison was our representative in the Scripps National Spelling Bee, and he made it to the contest quarterfinals. And he wasn't eliminated because he spelled a word wrong. He got the definition wrong, which is also part of it. So the word he was asked to define was obviate. Hmm. So if you obviate, you... Make things obvious? (laughs) Actually, it's kind of along those lines. Okay. (laughs) Thanks. It is, uh, the actual definition is to disguise its true nature. Is No, I'm sorry. That's the answer that he gave. If you oh. obviate something, you disguise its true nature. And that was incorrect. For the that, opposite. he got the bell. The correct answer is you render it or make it unnecessary. Oh, to make it. Yeah, okay. All right. I'm not even pretending I knew that. So, eh, <laughs> right? Yeah. I think he was, I wonder if he was defining obfuscate. Oh, yeah, I bet. So, right, as opposed to obviate. Nope. Neither here nor there. He got it wrong and he's out. But uh, Aiden did talk about it. He finishes 21st in the nation. I was a little disappointed that I went out on a vocab word because I was hoping to learn a new word. Uh, 
by getting out on a spelling one, but I'm still fine with it. It's a really surreal experience being able to connect with other people with talents like me. But it definitely seemed to be that sort of communal environment. A lot of the other, you know, there were high fives and stuff when somebody got out. They walked past the other contestants who were up there on stage. And so they seem to be supportive of one another. 21st in the land, not too bad for young Aiden of Madison. Now, they must have changed the process of it, too, because I thought you were supposed to be able to ask for the definition before you spell it. Well, you can't for spelling it, but when part of the when, when one aspect of the game now is also you have to give the definition. That's oh, so it's like saying. separate? Yeah, that separate, was separate. Uh, separate from, so he didn't have to spell oh, okay. that word. He just had to define it, and he got it mm-hmm. wrong. But in terms of what he did spell correctly, we talked about this yesterday. He's correctly spelled Bahuvrihi in round one. He gave the correct definition of Meridian in round two, correctly spelled Burpee in round three, correctly spelled Glumarolanthritis, <laughs> which I can't pronounce, Ouch. much less spell. That was round four. That sounded painful. Correctly defined four swear in round five. Correctly spelled sin. I don't know, whatever. Some other word I don't recognize in round six. So this cat's pretty sharp. Yep. And uh, 51st, <laughs> tied for 51st last year, climbed 30 spots this year. Not bad. Coming He'll take 21st. it next year. Nice job, Aiden. 544 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Brandon Snide with the Sports Next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The Milwaukee Brewers got back to their winning ways on Wednesday night, taking down the Toronto Blue Jays in game two of three. This one by a final score of four to two. Abraham Toro, who made his Brewers debut after being called up from AAA and who's actually a Canadian native, was the first one to get the party started north of the border. Line down the right field line. This is up and it is gone. Abraham Toro goes deep just inside the right field foul pole and the Brewers with a 2-0 lead as Toro with his first of the season. Toro with his first homer of the season. He also finished the game going 2-for-4 with two RBIs, helping the Brewers secure their 29th win of the season. The Brewers currently have a one-game lead over the Pirates for the top spot in the National League Central. After the game, manager Craig Council with some high praise for his new addition to the team. One, he's he's a Canadian, and, and so happy for him. I mean, that's a, you know, that's not a small thing, I think, coming coming here and getting called up and with a new team and having a big day on your first day. So very happy for him. Milwaukee Brewers will look to take the series later today against Toronto. That first pitch is set for 12.07. Our coverage will begin right here on WTMJ at 11.35. Freddie Peralta is expected to get the start. The Milwaukee Admirals will look to even things up in the Western Conference Finals against Coachella Valley. The Ads, after winning Game 3 on their home ice, will look for some more home cooking tonight. Puck drop is at 7 p.m. over at the Panther Arena. The Green Bay Packers continued their OTAs on Wednesday and will certainly look a bit different this season. There has been much debate about whether the Packers are currently in a rebuild or non. All-pro left tackle David Bakhtiari Double down as someone who thinks the team is, but also knows rebuilding doesn't always equal losing. I think the Seahawks rebuild off of Russell. Look how that turned out. I can also give you the other side of the coin, but I don't really know off the top of my head, but that's that's how I look at it, and it's a simple way to put it, and we can splice it, cut it, make it look like who wants to be the hero or the villain on that word, but that's really what I mean. The Packers will wrap up their block two of OTAs on Friday and resume practice again beginning on June 5th. Shifting attitudes among Americans over whether college is worth it. That story next on Wisconsin's Morning News. 
8.52 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Host of Wisconsin's Afternoon News, John Mercure, is with us early this morning and talking about college education, paying for it, and what the payoff is ultimately. And some interesting new statistics, John, on how our attitudes about higher education are changing in this country. Yeah, so the University of Chicago routinely over the past couple of decades has talked to people about the proposition value of going to college. Is it worth it to spend that money, to take on the debt, to get that four-year degree? And for the first time, more than 50% of Americans now say that earning a four-year degree is a bad bet on a financial sense, and that they will not pursue it. And this survey talked to a lot of people who have college degrees, and skepticism is strongest amongst people 18 to 34 with a college degree. They have a degree, and they're questioning whether the debt that they've incurred and the time that they had to spend to get the degree is worth it. I found this interesting as I get ready to talk to you this morning because you got a girl getting ready to go off to school. I have girls that just graduated from college not that long ago. And uh, it's a conversation every family has because it's so expensive. And I would count myself among the college graduates who are deeply skeptical, certainly of everybody has to go to college. And you and I were raised like that. Right. You know, from the beginning. And, and I, I, am, I think it's so healthy that in our country we've decided now that that was the wrong messaging of if you didn't go to a four-year college or university, you were some kind of idiot. Right. And right, that, I right, feel right. like that's what we were right. told indirectly. Like, yeah. you don't want to be an idiot. You're like, you, you're smart. So therefore you must yep. go to college. And what we, what I hope we've realized is that there are plenty of other jobs that don't necessarily require a four year degree um, that don't mean you're stupid because you didn't go to school. You know, look at people in the trades, look at apprenticeships, look at there are many coding jobs. All sorts of computer positions where you don't you need that traditional four year degree. I'm glad we're off of that train. Listen to this, though. Here's another number for you. So the same survey looked at over the course of your career, if you have a college degree, this is an average. Yes. Now, this has always been out of whack, right? Yep. College degree, always earning a ton more College money. degree, you earn $2.8 million on average through your whole career. Okay. $2.8 million. If you have only a high school diploma, you earn $1.6 million. So that's a million dollars less that you earn on average if you don't have a college degree. So even with student loan debt, I mean, a million dollars. Now, that is changing. I think to your point, that's changing because there are good computer jobs. There are data processing jobs. The trades now pay more money than ever because there's a lack of workers. So you can make a really good living. But for the first time, um, the majority of Americans think four-year degree is a bad idea. Let me ask you this. Was it ever a consideration that your daughter wouldn't go to college? Yes, actually. Now, she's in the arts. She wants to be on Broadway and wants to chase that dream. But there are a lot of different ways that you can go about that. She really could come right out of high school and try to work immediately. You know, can I just be an Mm -hmm. actor right now and and go that path? Could she go to some sort of academy where it's six Mm -hmm. months or a year or two years even and go that path? So we looked at all of those things. She ultimately decided that she's going to go to school. God help us in New York. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and we're wrestling with that sticker price. Will it be worth it? She believes it it is, and so we're going to chase that dream until we yeah. don't. But yeah, it was it was a real consideration for her. women in the research are also more skeptical than men. Women are more likely in this research to say that the four year degree is not worth it. I found that interesting. There are more women also that go to college in America than men. And if you think about it, I guess that makes sense for men. The paths through the trades and others seem to be more prevalent than amongst women. But in the research, women are less bullish on college 
than men are on college, and the numbers have flipped dramatically in just the last four years. Well, maybe if, maybe if there are dwindling numbers of enrollment in college, that cost comes back down and then causes a yeah. reversal, ultimately. Well, look at Stritch closed in large part because their enrollment went down, and that's a real factor in all of this also. John Mercure, host of Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Thank you, sir. Hey, thanks, Vince. One other thing to point out, though, I mean, it's worth being part of the conversation is whether or not there is inherent value in just that college experience in terms of whether it's dollars and cents maybe necessarily doesn't work out. But having that four years or five where you transition, you're halfway between being an adult and not quite where you have a chance to figure some things out and you can largely write it off by saying, ah, I was in college. (laughs) There's a little bit of value there and nothing wrong with just learning things about the world, but all part of the equation. Business headline sponsored by Old National Bank. Get old. Here's the Milwaukee Business Journal's Rich Kirchin. Shoppers at Kohl's stores and Kohl's.com get fewer general discounts as the chain looks to simplify pricing and promotions. Executives plan targeted offers and clearance events. Chase Bank bucks the national trend and adds branches in southern Wisconsin. They open in Delafield, West Allis, and Shorewood the next two years. The city of Milwaukee revives efforts to develop a parking lot on Wisconsin Avenue across from the downtown downtown convention center. Possible uses include a hotel or offices with ground floor storefronts. I'm Rich Kirchin with MilwaukeeBusinessJournal.com on News Radio WTMJ.